Amen. Amen. We're going to try to break a Guinness World Record. See if we can call Preston's name this week at least 10,000 times. Because a lot of times as we're dealing with Judgment House, there's different things I need to know. Preston! And so help me, help me, help Preston. Let's not just, you know, overwhelm him uh, this week. Also realize and let us help you, uh, besides Judgment House, uh, we do have other things going on. We have a preschool and a daycare that will continue on. And uh, so, you know, where you put things and where we place things and all that uh, is important. So we want to work with you. Uh, so we're not working against each other type of thing. But we're excited about Judgment House. Just think, uh, three days, today, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, we start. And so a lot has to happen, and we appreciate your prayers. It'll be a busy week, Uh, but, you know, as I was singing that song, the last song, It Is Well With My Soul, I just think of people who maybe for the very first time this week will accept Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior, and that is exciting. That is exciting. So we're we're grateful for that. Um, I also uh, want us to continue to be praying for the people of Ukraine. Uh, some of the organizations that I'm aware of, and this is not exclusive, there are so many organizations that are working over there, but I know Samaritan Purse is over there, Billy Graham Evangelistic Association, OM uh, is over there, Uh, the IMB, uh, which is our International Mission Board of Southern Baptists uh, through Sin Relief is there. But you know, one of the things is I've been listening to um, different worship services over there, and one of them is Brian Pearl Williams, the local church. It has been said that the local church were the first people there on the borders to welcome and to invite refugees to either stay at their church or in their homes. Some of the local churches were there before the agencies. And I am excited that the local church is taking that stand. And uh, I want us to continue to pray for these people. Uh, This morning I listened to a video of one of our missionaries as Southern Baptists. Uh, Him and his family were in Ukraine. And his story of how they got out and basically one suitcase and that was it for each of their family members and get out. And uh, listening to that and what, but they're safe now, um, and, and, but they're back on the front lines, you might say, at the different crossing points, um, and we need to be praying. We, as a church, did send a, a gift to Sin Relief, which is through our International Mission Board, uh, of $1,000 to help towards that, and uh, I, I just, again, not talking about the amount, but just, we need to keep these people. In, in our prayers. So let's go to the Lord in prayer for them right now. Most gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, I think, just thank you for this opportunity today. Lord, we can worship you, and Lord, we have a freedom here. And today, Lord, many people don't know about their future. They wonder if they'll ever be able to go back home. And they're in new surroundings. And Lord, we just pray for the churches in Poland and Romania and Moldova and all those areas, Lord, that are reaching out to the people that are coming to them. 
Lord, we thank you for the mission organizations that have gone and are there in Ukraine. And Lord, what they're doing. And we're grateful. But Lord, we just pray for each family and each person and each child as they go through this horrible crisis. Lord, we do pray for peace. Lord, somehow that this could come to a peaceful conclusion. And Lord, we just pray for the leaders and the people of Ukraine. And Lord, may they know that you are there. And through your arms and feet, we're doing, Lord, and the churches are ministering, Lord. We just thank you in your son's name. Amen. You know, through my years, it's amazing to me. You know, a lot of times I know as a church, missions is very important to this church. Uh, but, you know, I've seen God do some things. You know, a lot of times we think, you know, we got to go off to do missions. But, you know, at times, God sends the mission field to us. He sends it right here to us. And, and, and here we, in Ukraine, all these people going to different countries, trying to, to get out of the fighting and... There's the local church there ministering to them. That's what it's about. Um, and even as we look at LaBelle, uh, I know some people, we look at it different ways, but LaBelle is becoming diverse, isn't it? Could a mission field be coming to us? Of the types of people and all the languages and the cultures and all those things, maybe God said, I'm sending them to you. What are you going to do? And so it's something, you know, that we need to say, Lord, thank you. And then also look to the Lord as we minister to them. If you have your Bibles this morning, turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We'll get there in a second, but this way it'll give you some time to find it. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. In Hattiesburg, Mississippi, there is a university called William Carey University. And um, it's a Christian school. Been there for years. A few years back, William Carey, the university, was struck by severe tornadoes. It destroyed a good portion of its campus. You can imagine if you were the leaders, the president or the dean of that school, and you walk out and you see all the hard work that had been put into that school in just a matter of minutes or an hour, totally destroyed by a tornado. Sometimes it can be overwhelming. It could be to the point you just go, God, why? But almost immediately, people started calling the university, pledging help, pledging prayer, pledging financial gifts. And they said it was just beyond what you could imagine, how Christians just stopped what they were doing and said, we want to help you. You know, and, and at times, we do that well, but here in this case, we, we find that they did, but the, the chancellor was sharing the story, and he said, we received one phone call from a group of atheists. They called to mock us, to say, you believe in a God that could do that to you? The chancellor said at first he was angry, and then he, his anger turned to pity, and then he realized that they did not know the blessings of God that could come through a storm and tribulation. In life, we will face storms and tribulations. 
But isn't it wonderful to know as a child of God that we are not alone? That he, our Lord God, is with us. Even in the storm, even in the tribulation, our Lord is there. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, this whole chapter, and even before, it is talking about the day of the Lord when our Lord will be coming again. And even in this day that we live in today, the importance of building each other up. There's a lot in our world today that is discouraging. There's a lot in our world today where people said, what's the use? There's a lot of people today saying, look what's going on. How can a loving God allow all this that's happening in this world today to continue? But brothers and sisters, as children of God... We need to look at what God, and, and you know, where we could say, you know, it is well with my soul because Christ is there. And so this morning as we look at this passage of Scripture and as we study through it, there's some things that I want us to remember. I, I, I'm going <laughs> to flip this around. Erica, if we could start with verse 11, please. Sorry about that. In verse 11, and not fussing, but the back screen, the words are off the screen, okay? Just, they won't know unless someone tells them, okay? But look at verse 11 of chapter 5. It says, therefore, encourage one another and build each other up as you are already doing, okay? Now, this is Paul sharing with the, with the people of Thessalonica. He said, encourage one another and build each other up. How important it is today for us to encourage other Christians. It's very important because we all get discouraged. We all wonder what in the world is taking place. But we need to realize that God is there. Now, go back to verse 1 of that chapter. And in verse 1, it says, about the times and the seasons... Brothers and sisters, you do not need anything to be written to you. Now, I know you might say, well, you know, what is that dealing with? But if you look at that first part where it says about the times and the seasons, those that phrase, time and seasons, is referring to the end times. It's referring to that time that is coming. We need to realize this morning as children of God that Christ is coming again. Amen? And as we look at that, that is not something that we need to be scared of, but something to embrace as a child of God. Times and season refers to the end time. Now, here's that other question that is kind of in there, but, but it's not written in there how long before Christ comes. We believe as believers in Jesus Christ that Jesus will come again. I firmly believe that. I accept that. But when he will return is what? Unknown to us. But the uncertainty of time doesn't mean the uncertainty of his return. He will return. Are we ready for that? Are we ready for the return of Jesus Christ? Sometimes we don't mention that a lot of times. We just kind of, well, you know, he can come at any time, and we just don't dwell on it. But maybe we need to dwell on it. 
or a child of God, his return, it will be no surprise. But for a person who does not believe in Jesus Christ, it is going to be a big surprise. And there's a lot of people in this world today who basically think, well, you know, let's don't think about that. That just won't happen. Uh, And if it does, we'll work something out. Let me tell you, it is going to happen that Jesus Christ is coming again. It is going to happen. It might not happen in my lifetime. It might not happen in your lifetime, but it will take place. So when Christ returns, so look at... Verse 1 says, brothers and sisters, you do not need anything to be written to you. But look at verse 2. For you yourself know very well that the day of the Lord, the day of the Lord will come just like a thief in the night. Now, as children of God, one of the things that maybe we forget, as children, children of God, we are to be children of enlightenment. To what? We know what's going to happen. We have read the book. Jesus is coming for what? For his own. And we are to be a light to other people. In our world today, a lot of people are becoming dark. They're becoming confused. They are discouraged. And we need to shine a light. Last the night before last, I couldn't sleep, and I was looking out the back window of our house, and I was looking a certain way, and I saw this bright light. I was going, okay. I first thought, well, maybe it's a plane, but it never got closer. And I kept looking at it. I was going, hmm. And it really kind of started puzzling me what, the, what this light was. Now, I still haven't found out what it is. I think I know, possibly. But the way things are and move, I thought, well, maybe it's a light coming from the airport, or Greater LaBelle Airport. Maybe. I thought they turned them off at 11. But, you know, uh, would a light like that make you stop and think? The light of Jesus is returning. But as a child of God, we are to take the light that he has given us. You see, we're not in darkness. We should not be in darkness. We are children of the light, children of this day. To share with other people that Jesus Christ is coming again. That scripture, as you continue to read it and and see there in verse 3 and 4 and following, we need to be prepared. Do not sleep. Be awake. The scripture says, be sober. Be alert that Jesus is coming again. Are we ready for that? Are you ready for that? We need to see that, that, you know, a lot of times, if we're not careful, we can become lethargic. We can become apathetic and say, well, you know, Jesus, yeah, that's going to happen, but it's probably not going to happen when I'm around, so we don't put a lot of emphasis. Brothers, we we need to share with people that Jesus is coming again. And we need to be ready, be prepared. We talked about the people of Ukraine and how many of them didn't have much of a warning. And all they could do is grab one suitcase and flee. 
Are we prepared? Not in the sense of our suitcase. Are we prepared spiritually? Do we know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior? Are we prepared? And then are we ready? I know some of you have shared with me and Preston, you know, they, hey, if God came this afternoon, I am ready. I'll be the first one in line. I am ready. Other people have said, well, preacher, I, uh, I, I think it's a good thing, but I'm just not ready to go right now. Guys, we don't, we, we, we don't know what we're saying. We need to see that, that we need to belong to the day that is coming because when you read about the day of the Lord, do you know what it's talking about there? It's talking about the tribulation. It is talking about when the world and the judgment of God will begin and, and the believers will be taken out. And are you ready? for that we need to be prepared we need to be awake we are we are you certain that christ will return yes we we need to be prepared we need to live differently knowing that christ is going to come and we need to have that faith in christ and in the cross which produces the love of god in getting prepared for Jesus come, we hear phrases, the helmet of salvation, the breastplates of righteousness. Guys, are we, is our head in the game? Are we thinking about what is going to take place? No Christian should live as if Christ will not return or that we are promised another day. You see, we are, we live with a purpose. Go down to verses 9 and 10 of 1 Thessalonians 5. It says, For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Verse 10 again, or verse 9. For God did appoint us to wrath, but what? To obtain salvation. What is our purpose? Our purpose is salvation. Have we accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, number one, and then have, are we sharing with others what Christ can do? You see, Christ doesn't want us to go through that suffering, his wrath, but he's telling us it's coming. The wrath of the Lord is coming, and are we prepared to meet him? Our purpose? Well, is it, preacher, are you saying it's my job to tell other people about Jesus? I thought that's why we have you. But as a child of God, we have a purpose, and that purpose, the Bible says, is salvation. How many people do you think are saved in LaBelle? 100%? Nah. 75%? Do you even think it's 50%? Maybe 35? 25? Well, that makes it stop and think, doesn't it? You see, our purpose is to share the salvation of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
That is our purpose. And you say, well, Richard, why? why? Well, in 1 Thessalonians, it begins telling us of the great tribulation. When Christ will return. And as he shares with that, let me tell you, as a child of God, you, we do not want to be around. We don't want to be around. But we, we need to understand, if we reject Jesus, then guess what? You're going to see tribulation. It's going to redefine that word for you. You think you know what that word means? <laughs> you know, sometimes these action movies that we like to go to the theater, and we say, man, isn't that spectacular? Isn't that, you know, let me tell you. When the rapture of the Lord, I'm sorry, when the tribulation takes place, it'll be nothing that we can even compare to. We are made with a purpose. And that purpose also is to encourage other people. You see, Jesus died on the cross, and he died for a purpose, and he died so that we could live and live with him and live together with him. But we are made with a purpose, and we are equipped to fulfill that purpose, and that is salvation, of sharing the gift of salvation with the people around us. Another thing that I believe this passage of Scripture deals with is the importance of encouraging one another. We need to encourage people. You need, I need, we need to be encouragers. Amen? We need to be encouragers. Let me tell you. Or, you know, we, we've got plenty of complainers. And we've got plenty of downers. And we've got plenty of procrastinators. We've got plenty of all the wrong things. But what we need is encouragers. Now, is it that hard for us to get encouraged about Jesus Christ? When, if we would just stop and think what Christ has done for us, just for us, that should be encouragement enough. God is moving. God is moving and wants to move in our lives. And we need to be encouragers to people. We live in a society today. You've seen this. We live in a society today that takes pride in tearing people down. Don't they? We live in a society today. And, and they're, they're people, man, they're, they're prideful in the sense of, man, I Tore them to pieces. Tore them down. But we need, in this world today, to be encouragers. We need to build people up, not tear them down. We need to show them the blueprint of God and how he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross for you and me. We need to share that plan with them. We need to equip them. We need to give them the skills that they need to work and to get stronger in the Lord. We need to teach them and be part of discipleship with them. We need to be together. You said, preacher, sometimes it's not good to put a bunch of Baptists together. But guys, if we can't get together now, we got troubles. The body of Christ, we need to be a community. I mentioned William Carey in the beginning of the message. William Carey, if you know anything about his life, 
William Carey, and he, I think he was born like 1797, I mean, a long time ago, okay? But one of the things that convicted William Carey, he called him, now he's from England and the different terminology, but the heathens that had not come to know the Lord. Now, I'm sure if he was alive today, he wouldn't use that term, but that's the term that was used. And he was looking at Baptists or Protestants, and he said, guys, we need to get involved in missions. We need to reach out to people. And and, (laughs) in one of the religious meetings, uh, he was sharing how we need to go to different countries and reach the heathen. And another gentleman stood and said, sir, you are young. You're young, and the heathen, they're always going to be there. But we just need to focus right here. Well, in years to come, William Carey, some would say, is the founder of the modern missionary movement that we know of today. But William Carey went off to India. And it was costly. Costly in the sense of his family and disease and and lack of money and uh, all those things. But he had a good friend named Andrew Fuller. Now, Andrew, he believed in the Lord. He preached his heart out. But Andrew wasn't one of those that was willing to go to the field. And William Carey says this to his friend. He said, I will go down, but you hold the ropes. In other words, he said, I need a good man back in the States who's promoting missions, who are telling the people about those out in India and other places that do not know Jesus Christ, and we need them to give, and I need you to hold the ropes while I go down. And in, in the original, when I go to, as I go down to hell, is what he said, as I go into these foreign places. Now, can you imagine India in the early 1800s? You see, today, we need to be there for each other. We need to build, and we need to be built, and we need to give, and we need to receive. That's why, no matter if it's happening in Ukraine or wherever, we need to be part of that if it's through prayer and encouraging and helping our missionaries. We are fast approaching, and I think we've already passed it. We're, we're past the phrase where we can just talk about it. We've got to take action about people and Jesus Christ. You know, a lot of times, you know what our standard answer when people come to us with different things? I'm praying for you. That's our standard answer. Now, if one thing, if we're truly going to do it, if we're truly going to pray for them, okay, that's a good thing. But if that's just one of those things we say, then we're guilty of missing and encouraging the people around us. Remember the song that we have sung through the years, I'm a part of the family of God. Now, I don't know what that song means to you, and maybe maybe you haven't heard it, I don't know. But we are part of the family of God, or I'm a part of the family. What does that mean? Families. We have families in our church that need help right now. Don't need to name names. 
But we've got families that are hurting and they're not sure where to turn and they're afraid if they say something to church that people would take it the wrong way. We, we need to be there for each other. We don't need to just talk it. We need to do it. We are part of the family of God and the family of God should build each other up, right? Wouldn't it be nice that we all have this life <laughs> No problems, no concerns. But it's not that way, is it? We need to be there for each other. Encourage one another. You know, it takes time, but I know talking to people is a, is a, is a great thing. Some of the thoughts they have, I just sometimes, I listen to them and how they're convinced with those thoughts. And they're so far away from God. And my place is not to judge them, but my place is to share truth with them. This morning, the day of the Lord is coming. The trumpet will sound, and night shall be no more. And Jesus will come across that sky. Our Lord, Jesus, He is coming. Are we ready? Are you ready? Let's encourage the people that God sends to us. Let's pray. Scripture Father, Lord, I thank you for this day, and I thank you for your word. And Lord, I just pray that you would guide us, and Lord, that we would see what is coming. And Lord, you're returning. And Lord, are we prepared? Are we alert? Are we ready? Lord, are we ready to stand in your presence? We ask this in your son's name. Amen.